Hey guys, Kurt here. A couple of announcements before we get into this episode. Um, just wanted to tell you about a couple of things. First off, what I'd like to talk to you about is an awesome convention that's coming to the Dayton Convention Center in Dayton, Ohio, November 11th through the 13th of this year. It's a catacon. Our friends at the RPG Academy are have holding a three-day convention. They're going to have some awesome people there. Um, they're still looking to for you to come and have some fun playing some games and having some fun with some of the some of the industry's top RPG people, including John Wick, James D'Amato, Cat Cool, Kenneth Height, and a ton more. Even some of our friends from other podcasts like Taylor LaBresh from the Leviathan Files and Rohit Sodia from Gamers Plane are all going to be at this three-day event to play games and have fun and share RPGs with the community. So if you go to like something like Gen Con, you can play with these same people, but it costs you about $80 or more, depending upon how much you spend per you know per day and stuff like that. For their three-day three day general admission, it's only $40, which is super cheap. If you decide to go Friday, it's only $10. You go Saturday, which is usually when all the big people are there, $25 and then Sunday is only $15. Just head over to Acaticon on Facebook and you click on the link for eventbrite.com under their banner and get your tickets and it should be a good time. And one more thing I like to add, it's something that we always kind of talk about each episode. So a lot of times we don't really ask you that much. Uh, a lot of times when we are talking to you, we just want you to listen and have fun. You know, we don't ask for money. We don't ask for you know too much. But the one thing that we actually like to do is since we're sponsored by BattleBards, we'd love for you to try out their tabletop fantasy audio. The reason why we keep kind of bugging you about it and keep promoting it is because we love it. We think it's phenomenal. Not only is it phenomenal for us, but it's also phenomenal for other podcasts as well. You've heard all of their great audio on this podcast, but you also, you've also heard it on God's Fall D&D podcast. You've also heard it on the How We Roll podcast. And oh, you might have heard it on the little D&D streaming thing called Critical Role yeah, so you know if it's been used in all these different places that it must be worth it. And not only are we asking you to get this awesome fantasy audio, but you get a little something extra from us as well. So this is how it works. Go on and you pick what kind of package you want. Say you buy a $25 package. So basically you get $25 worth of audio that you can pick out. And a lot of this audio is super cheap. Anywhere from 30 cents to a dollar and like 40 cents. It's not that expensive. So you're going to get lots of great audio. You can purchase full albums and not pay a ton. Okay. But also what happens is you're going to get free tracks from us from using our code. So if you buy the 10 and $25 packages and you use the code MFGCast1, you get one free track. You get the Dwarf Temple, the Soul Forging, which is an awesome score. If you purchase the 50 and $100 packages, which is you use the code MFGCast2, you actually get five total tracks, including a monsterscape of the Behold Extermination, another uh, soundscape you would get for free, which would be the Dungeon of Lost Inhabited. You'd also get a free NPC script of armor, smith, steel, and silk. And you'd also get a sound effect shortbow arrow barrage. This also includes the $10 and $25 package bonus of that one track. With the code MFGCAST3, when you buy your $150 and $300 packages, you get 10 total tracks, which is a full album for free for using that code. Which includes the Dark Elf City Morning Doer score, 
uh, Magic Missile Sound Effect, Common Giant, Torture, Hill Giant, Entertaining at Home, Monsterscape, Castle Ruins, Ruins of the Black Knight, and more. So you're getting a lot of free audio by us. So we want to get this awesome fantasy audio in your hands, and we also get to see a little bit back from that. So this is what we're asking of you. Just go, even if it's as little as $10, use that MFGCast1 code, get some awesome audio, spread the word. You can also tell your friends that you've used the same audio that's been used on Critical Role. I mean, how cool is that? So if you can do that for us, that would be awesome. Um, otherwise, enjoy the episode, and thanks a lot. This is the MFG Cast. episode another fun interview we've got two awesome people that i've been meaning to talk to for a very long time we want to talk to them about their game company we also want to talk about their new kickstarter coming out on september 27th it is problem picnic attack of the ants i have helena and josh capel on hi hi Kurt. josh thanks for coming on thanks, thanks. for having us yeah, yeah finally it's talking so much online and we finally got you on here to bug the crap out of you, see what happens. So, <laughs> awesome. Um, before we get started here, we always like to talk about how we kind of get started in gaming. Because I mean, you know, what exact? Why are we doing the things that we do as far as gaming goes? So, right. um, I want to start with you, Josh. I want to know what got you into the gaming industry and where you started from. Uh, well, into gaming as a hobby, I got into it as a kid, I guess, like uh, like most of us did. I, I, I never was into gamer type games. I hadn't even heard of them until I was in my late 20s, but I always enjoyed games and liked playing them and made my own games as well. I was a, a creative kid, so I did a lot of uh, designing of my own games and uh, having my friends and family, cousins mostly, play them. So that's I've always been interested in gaming, but as far as a career in gaming goes, uh, I got into it deliberately. Uh, maybe 15 years ago, I decided that I was going to use my graphic design skills to angle towards uh, creating art and design for board games and tabletop games so I could do what I love to do all the time instead of just after work. Nice. And uh, I, I initially began by joining an online forum called the Board Game Designers Forum. It's bgdf.com. And on there, I met a lot of other aspiring game designers and game artists. And whenever one of them would get a would announce that they'd gotten into a conversation with a publisher or gotten a contract with a publisher, I would quickly research the game that they had designed, make up some samples for their game, and give them to my friend and say, hey, pass these along to the publisher and see if uh, they'd be interested in hiring me for the game. So I did that a few times and then finally after doing one or two independent projects, uh, somebody that a game that somebody had submitted to Z-Man games uh, worked out. The game was uh, Geos, which is a, an old Z-Man game and Zev hired me for that and from there everything just kind of cartwheeled forward into doing more and more games for more and more publishers. Awesome, awesome. What about you, Helena? Uh, mine is a little more convoluted than Josh's. Um, <laughs> 
I was, uh, when I was a kid, I was pretty uninspired with the games that I was playing. My mom kind of liked to play games, so it was more like Monopoly and Sorry, and I just never really cared about them, so I never considered myself a gamer, and I didn't have any friends at that time uh, that had any interest in it, and I'm, I'm an only child. So essentially, uh, if my mother didn't introduce me to it and my friends didn't introduce me to it, I wasn't doing it. And then one day, Josh said, we've got to play this game, Catan. And, Settlers uh, of Catan at the time. Settlers of Catan at the time. And uh, I said, well, okay, I don't really like games, but whatever, I'll play it with you because I love you. And it just blew me away. Totally, totally blew me away. It was an experience that I'd never had before. The interactions between people playing the game were crazy fun. I was able to make some decisions unlike in Sorry or Candyland, for example. Um, and so that just opened my eyes to this whole world. And then it became Citadels. And then it was, what was our next one? I don't know, we tried Power Grid. We did Kalis, which is, Kalis is like still my favorite game. And so I realized I like games. And then I, I'm a teacher, by the way. And so I thought, you know, it'd be really amazing if I ha could have these kind of games in my classroom. So I started bringing them to my classroom. And then I started realizing, you know what, there's some educational value in this stuff. And I started using them in the classroom as an educational tool. And because I'm a math teacher, it sort of, it fits very well. And then I started realizing, like, I really love games. I love teaching, but I really love games. I loved watching Josh do what he does. We sort of had this game that we had been working on together a little bit. Maybe it's time for me to move into Josh's world and uh, publish. And Food Fighters was born. I couldn't think of a better game to start with. And obviously successful. It's in uh, retailer stores all over the place and online. And it just, you know, again, very convoluted. But it, it in the end, now I'm seeing like this direct path to when I do finally um, retire from teaching. I'm, I'm going to have a whole other career ahead of me. Whole nother. Whole nother yeah. other career. So, yeah. That's how she got into gaming. Through me is what she's saying. Essentially. Nice. Yeah. Good job, Josh. Thanks. Thanks. I'll um, bring him in. So starting with a new company, and even though, Josh, you've dipped your toe into it and stuff like that, what are some of the challenges that you that you that that were brought forth with your coming up with Foo Fighters and trying to get that to the masses and stuff like that? Well, for me, I never wanted to be a publisher. I always, I mean, Helena always said, you have this game, you should, and you have a bunch of games that you've been working on for a while and you should really try and self-publish them especially Kickstarter is huge now you can do it you can you can raise the capital you have you know you it's possible to do now in a way that it wasn't possible to do even five years ago ten years ago publishers were the gatekeepers but now it's just a very much easier for people to get into it but I never wanted to do it I I don't love doing all the things that a publisher has to do though I do love doing all the things that a game designer has to do but so Helena would was pushing me and pushing me and encouraging me and telling me that I've got to do this because it's such a good game and it should get out there. But uh, I never wanted to do it. And finally, she got sick of me and said, I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right, you can do it. So uh, Kids Table is her company. It's not It's not my company. It's her company. Well. I, I work a lot on her with it, but she makes all the top-level decisions. We share the money. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. But <laughs> Helena makes all the top-level decisions, and I'm on board to help with all the graphics, obviously, and game design and strategy talks and stuff like that. So when you come up with a game like Food Fighters right away, so tell me a little bit about the process of it then. You know, Josh, you put the work into designing it, and then Helena, you go, you do the business side of it. Is that how it all comes together, or is it something where you you, you guys both talk talk about it, or do you keep it separate? How do you guys, I think we're how do you guys come up with that? I think we're probably about 70-30 in either direction. Okay. I, I Josh is a game designer. I wouldn't fully call myself a game designer. However, when there is a game that's presented to me, I'm, I feel like I'm very good at making the game better. She's a good developer, she's good at, at seeing the problems that are in a game, and she's very good at knowing what she wants the game to do for her company's thesis, and make sure that the game adheres to that. She definitely, even even if a, even if an idea is a good one for the game, if it's not a good one for the company, she will prefer to find a different solution for it so or or send it to someone else to publish exactly i have uh i do i have a very focused idea of what i want kids table games to be and even if it's just a little bit outside of what i'm looking at i just i won't publish it yeah that's it yes nice that's good that's good to have a good to have a a handle on what your company is because some people i think they they kind of it takes them a bit to f- kind of finally figure out what it is. And regardless, I mean, kids' table it's really kind of hard to go outside of that. I mean, I'm sure there's some things where it could be like, okay, we really have to look at this and say, okay, is this really for kids, or do we really got it? We kind of kind of stay away from that, right? Yeah, and it's even more specific than just for kids. We don't want games that are kids' games. We want games that are that kids can play with kids, that kids can play with adults, and that adults can play with adults as well. I've so. I've I've started saying that the kind of games that I think that I want to make as a publisher are are kids games for adults. Nice. Because I I it doesn't make me feel good knowing that a parent is sitting there rolling their eyes and looking at their watch playing the game with their kids. It doesn't make me feel good knowing that there's like one mechanism that's happening over and over and over again and kids are not learning how to strategize how and improve every game. Right. Yeah. And then it really also wouldn't make me feel good knowing I'm producing a game that when the kids go to bed that the parents don't want to continue playing or the adults don't want to continue playing. I want that kind of game. Yeah. So that that's uh, that's our direction. That's awesome. Yeah. Well speaking of games in that direction. Let's talk about Problem Picnic. So, so how were you able to get the wonderful, amazing Scott Alms to make a game for you guys? It wasn't that hard, really. You, you know. <laughs> you know. Hey, you want to make a game? Okay. Okay, let's do it. Almost. It, it pretty much was like that. I uh, Josh had has had uh, several experiences working with Scott on uh, games that other publishers have published, yeah. like uh, Kings of Air and Steam, and uh, Martian Dice. Any of them? That's it for Scott. Yeah, that's it for Scott Holmes. And you know, one day I just said to Josh, like, I have this feeling that it would be really amazing to work with this guy. Are you interested? And he's like, yeah, for sure. I would totally want to work with him. He uh, has been amazing to work with in the past. So I literally cold emailed him. Well, lukewarm. Well, he didn't know me. (laughs) I emailed him. I introduced myself. I said, so we're looking for games. Here's what I'm looking for. Do you have anything that would fit? 
And I, I really actually didn't think that I was going to hear back from, from him for a long time. And I heard back from him that day and he said, I'd love to work with you. And I do actually have a game that would work fantastic for your company. He sent it to me a week later and literally two or three days later, it was our game and we were working together. And it was, it has been a phenomenal experience so far. Yeah. It's a, it was the game itself was a pretty different game. However, all of the mechanisms in the game have remained the same. So we've all been in development together and it just has been a fantastic experience. He's so awesome to work with. Yeah, fundamental. It is the same game as it was when he sent it to us. I mean, the, the core foundation of the game was very strong. We liked it a lot and that's why yeah. Elena decided to sign it. But we've developed it with him over the past couple of months and it's just gotten better and better. Well, I know for a fact that people listening to this interview are going to hear our review of the game, and we loved it. So, oh, great! Um, and awesome. plus, it's you know, again, like you guys said, you know, it's it's a nice guy. It's a nice game to have for for also for adults that it is for kids too. You know, it's. I think one of the one of the best things I like about the game is the de dexterity part of it because you know you always got that thing where kids kids always want to beat their parents at games. That's yes. just always how it's been. There's yes. hardly a kid on this earth that doesn't have that urge. Right. So it's it's nice to do that. You know, have that thing where you know my son will always be like, "Okay, I'm going to get your dice, Dad." And it's like, "Go right ahead, see if you can." You know, and then I'll roll <laughs> off the table and I'll laugh at him, and you know, we'll have a good time. So it you know it's nice to have that. This game has that nice interaction between players and stuff like that where, you know, it's kind of a gotcha game, yeah. but it also is, is fun to, you know, get the different schemes to get the victory points, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one thing we loved about it was that, uh, was the puddle mechanism. <laughs> we thought, you know, if one player is successful this round, then they're going to have a lot less, re a lot a lot less to work with in, in the following round, and that, that was very appealing to us, mm -hmm. that, that sort of catch up, catch up a yeah. aspect of it. it was very very yeah, nice yeah yeah and then and that was a fun part for us too where you know because everyone you're into everyone else's turn to see where they go you'll be like okay i'm gonna get you oh wait i don't have any dice <laughs> it's like okay right. Right. well i guess i guess not you go ahead i guess yeah. it's it's pretty awesome uh when we play the game with our kids you know some games we play with them, and you can tell that it isn't a good game because the kids are getting so frustrated because it's easy for adults to do better than the kids. And when the kids realize at the beginning of the round that they still have all their dice and you have won, they're really excited <laughs> about that because they know that they're going to be way more successful in this round than you are. And it, like you said, kids just love beating their parents. Yeah, and also the dexterity element, like you said, it, it allows for some funny things to happen on almost every roll. Something interesting or exciting. There'll be a cheer or a curse or a groan from someone around sitting sitting around the table with every die roll. So we love the level of excitement that this brings to the table. This is going to come out just before the Kickstarter comes out. So go find it. Go um, fund it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great price. So you're going to get a lot of gameplay out of it, and you're going to have a lot of fun with everyone that you play with it for. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you guys one last question before I let you go. What's the What's the next thing on Kids Tables list? The very next thing? Yeah. The very next thing that we're doing, actually, probably around November, is having a very short Kickstarter for um, new factions for Food Fighters. Two new factions. Nice. Um, nice. And they'll come with player powers and one new wooden bit for each team. So uh, we're really, really excited about that. And 
To be honest with you, the thing that I hear most from people who own Food Fighters right now is they want more. Yeah, it, people are gobbling up those expansions. As soon as they get the base game, they come right back for the expansions. It's really... I'll, I'll, we just went to Gen Con, sold tons of games, and everyone who bought a game bought all the factions with it as well at the same time. Everyone just wants to have more and more and more added to the game, so we're happy to give it to them. Uh, after that, we have a couple more games in the pipe that are uh, that are coming down. We're not sure what is next exactly. We have three or four of them that are in contention, so we can let you know as soon as we know. Awesome. And yeah. I'm sure everyone will be excited to find out. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's, I mean, what, I mean, that's, that's the thing you want when you go to a convention, you know, when you make a game, you want it to, you know, people to want more of it. So that's, mm. that's great that you guys are going to be able to, you know, do a little bit more for the people that are clamoring for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the goal. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, Helena, Josh, thanks for coming on. It was awesome to talk to you guys. Thanks, it Kurt. was so awesome to finally talk to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because most people don't. So I'm <laughs> just kidding. So again, September 27th, Problem Picnic, Attack of the Ants. Make sure you go, you fund it, and yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. Woo! Trust us, we know what we're talking about. This. We got to play it. So. Cool. Until then, until next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Legends, one die at a time.